Welcome to the Beauty Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Kopelman, a cosmetic oculoplastic surgeon in New York City. You're going to hear from interesting guests who are authorities in their specialty. We will cover topics on health, beauty, and cosmetic surgery, and you will receive unfiltered, truthful information about all these procedures. Our smile and teeth project youth, good health, and sexual attractiveness. And when teeth are crooked, discolored, and misaligned, we subjectively react to a patient or a person, excuse me, in a different way. And we may be distracted from what they say by the appearance of their teeth. And, and there are many options, uh, including um, simple teeth whitening, orthodontic realignment, and cosmetic uh, procedures regarding uh, aesthetically improving the appearance of the teeth that uh, we'd like to discuss today with Dr. Zachary Linhart, a expert in cosmetic uh, aesthetic improvements of uh, our teeth, and he practices in Manhattan with his father, Jan Linhart. Both are renowned cosmetic dentists and are recognized as uh, nationally as, as top aesthetic dentists. And it's my pleasure to have him today to learn as much as I can about uh, how to improve our smile and the appearance of our teeth. Well, first I want to say thank you so much for having me, Doc. Uh, this is a real privilege and opportunity. Dr. Linhart, how has aesthetic dentistry evolved? Your father has been in the field for decades, and you came in a little later. Has the philosophy, aesthetic improvement in the, in the teeth uh, evolved, changed, new technology? Tell us what we need to know. You know, as you mentioned, cosmetic dentistry has changed significantly over the past many years. Uh, my father, uh, Jan Linhart, works with me. We practice together. He's been a dentist now uh, since 1979. He graduated NYU Dental School. And uh, when he graduated dental school in the late 70s, there really weren't many cosmetic options uh, for patients. Uh, the best option at the time was composite bonding, which is white uh, filling material that's put on top of the teeth that can help cosmetically. But at that time, it was pretty new. Most dentists didn't know how to perform bonding. And uh, really, the results were pretty lackluster. Uh, they tended to last only a couple of years and had to be redone. They chipped easily. Uh, and over time, through technology, uh, advancements in materials and uh, techniques, we've learned to really perfect and enhance cosmetic dentistry. Uh, you know, in the past, we've seen a lot of patients who come in with other cosmetic procedures done, you know, some things that you may do, so some things that other surgeons do, creams they use, hair, hair uh, procedures, et cetera. And we've really been able to match uh, dentistry to, to those other procedures. Uh, nowadays, porcelain veneers are usually our go-to for cosmetics on patients who really want a new, rejuvenated, young-looking smile. Um, and advancements in porcelain itself, um, bonding techniques to the teeth, as well as uh, the techniques of dentist preparations have really allowed us to create magnificent young smiles. What's the difference between restorative dentistry and cosmetic dentistry? Is there, are they one and the same, or are they basically merged together 
for instance, in my practice, I do reconstructive eyelid surgery and also cosmetic surgery. And I sort of, I think, if you're good at cosmetics, you're good at restorative uh, dentistry. I don't put them in two different categories. That's a great question. Uh, you know, really interesting. And we have patients that come in all the time and they say, well, are you a cosmetic dentist or are you just a general restorative dentist? And like you just said with uh, your profession, it's really one and the same. Um, restorative dentistry and cosmetic dentistry go hand in hand. You can't do a beautiful cosmetic dental case, whether it be veneers or bonding or implants, without restoring the teeth to their natural form and function or else you don't have a long-standing result. Um, there are dentists who don't do a lot of porcelain veneers or cosmetic bonding. It's not really in their purview, but all cosmetic dentists are also restorative dentists. They understand that you're restoring the teeth to you know, the way they should be uh, and to function properly. But there is a division, isn't there not, between like, um, you know, people who have uh, severely crooked teeth, for instance, you, you, as a say, as an aesthetic dentist may not do like the orthodontic work on those patients, or if their gums are diseased, or if there's other issues. Uh, I noticed that your practice has um, a interdisciplinary group of people working together. Yeah, so this is sort of a brainchild my father came up with about uh, 10, 15 years ago, around when I was coming into the practice. And uh, it's really fantastic. So in our office, which is in Midtown Manhattan, uh, we have a in-house periodontist, which is a gum surgeon, uh, an implant specialist. We have an in-house uh, root canal specialist, also known as an endodontist. And we have an in-house orthodontist, which does, she does braces and Invisalign. Uh, then we have my father and myself and a couple of other general restorative cosmetic dentists. Uh, so when we have a complex restorative and cosmetic case, that patient will see our periodontist, they'll see our orthodontist, their gums will be healthy, their teeth will be as straight as necessary to achieve the proper result and health. Uh, if they need any root canals, they're done in our office, et cetera. So everything is done in one place. And, uh, you know, it's taken the whole picture of dentistry, placed it in one office and made an interdisciplinary approach, sort of like some, you know, cosmetic uh, surgeons have have formed groups where they have the entire, entire uh line inside their office. Well, that's less common amongst cosmetic uh, plastic surgeons like myself, but I think that approach makes sense. I think that there are specialists in each realm and they have their expertise in each realm and they bring different um, expertise and viewpoints to the, to the uh, patient to get the best results. While we're talking about results, I know that we all want to achieve natural looking results. And I've seen many patients over the years um, who've come in with what I call chicklets. Yeah, we see them too. Their, their teeth do not look natural. Um, and, and the question is, how do you differentiate your group in terms of your ability to achieve natural-looking results? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, you know, there's this reputation among lay people about cosmetic dentistry sometimes about porcelain veneers in specific, uh, where they call them chiclets or, you know, big white bunny teeth. Um, and it's interesting because there's actually a little bit of a split in the country where a lot of West coast dentists, uh, cosmetic dentists will, you know, the patients will ask for these big, bright, unnatural smiles. Patients will say, I want my teeth as white as possible, as big as possible. Um, on the East coast, it tends to be 
that people want natural, beautiful, sort of youthful looking teeth. More subtle. Subtle, exactly. Most of our patients are, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, bankers, uh, you know, working folk. They're not in Hollywood. They're not, uh, they want to look natural. And um, while we can do everything in our office, and we sometimes have patients that come in that say, I want them super white and we'll do it for them. It's obviously up to them. Our general goal is to achieve natural looking smiles. We want somebody to go out into the world, as I'm sure you do with your patients, and we want someone to, you know, one of their friends to see them for the first time since they had their teeth done and say, wow, you look amazing. What have you been doing? You look great. We don't want them to say, what did you do to your teeth? Or, wow, you got veneers. No, we want them to say, you look great. You look so young right now. You look awesome. You know, we want that natural look. And in that natural look, we tend to make the teeth a natural color. We make them a natural length. We try to mimic what that person's teeth would have looked like 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, uh, but in a natural way that fits their face, fits their skin tone, fits their personality, their sex, you know, all of these things are taken into account. So there's a lot of very uh, interesting analysis that goes into the uh, way you approach the patient in terms of looking at their whole uh, facial composite, so to speak. Definitely. We're using terms our listeners may not know what the difference is between, say, a veneer a bonding, uh, different kinds of veneers. Could you c- clarify that for us? What it, what exactly that means? Well, the first thing we can do is whitening. Well, just you know, whitening is pretty simple. We have you into the office. We use bleach on your teeth. Uh, it's actually hydrogen peroxide, and it whitens your teeth, similar to the trays you use at home. Uh, but the simplest sort of restorative technique we use is bonding, also known as um, resin bonding, composite bonding. Uh, that all refers to white bonding material, which is exactly the same material that we use to do white fillings in your mouth. Uh, using bonding, we can add to the teeth um, very easily. We basically prepare the tooth a little bit, either by roughening it or drilling into it, and we can just place that bonding over the teeth. We can make them longer. We can make them wider. We can make them whiter. But as many people know with a white filling, the cosmetic result tends to only last maybe five to 10 years. Uh, sometimes they dull. Bondings can stain over time. Uh, and it's very hard in somebody's mouth with saliva, uh, with all the other factors to get them to look really spectacular. That's why porcelain veneers were developed in the 80s. And porcelain veneers are made of porcelain by a lab technician. Uh, we have a lab technician we've been using for over 20 years. And porcelain veneers are lab made. So unlike bonding, which is done directly on your teeth at that procedure, for veneers, the teeth are prepared the first visit, and then an impression is taken, whether digitally or with uh, putty, and given to the lab technician who actually fabricates the veneers, and then they're put in. A veneer is what, though? A veneer is literally porcelain, almost like a tile that's placed on the front of the tooth. A very thin, about a half a millimeter thick sheet of porcelain that the lab technician makes. If you took a porcelain veneer, the little sheet by itself, and you squeezed it, it would crush. It's sort of like a tile. If you took a tile and you hit it on the floor, it's going to break. But once you bond it to the floor of the tooth, it becomes very hard. And uh, and 
beautiful looking because as you know porcelain has beautiful white translucent uh characteristics to it there are other types of veneers like zirconium and some other other materials what what else do they use why do they why would they use those other materials yeah so over the past uh maybe 10 15 years originally veneers were all made out of something called feldspathic porcelain which is a beautiful translucent porcelain but it's pretty fragile as i said it will break if you squeeze it in your hand um over the past 15 ish years They've come out with some other materials. Uh, one you mentioned is zirconia. Another one is called lithium disilicate, also known as Emax. Um, and there's a few others, Empress and some others, that just have different characteristics. For example, zirconia, like you mentioned, is very strong. So if we have a patient who's a grinder or bruxer and they grind their teeth, we may do crowns, for example, out of zirconia. Uh, veneers, we tend not to use zirconia as much because it doesn't bond to the tooth as well as porcelain. Uh, lately, people have moved away from feldspathic porcelain, the original porcelain that we use, more towards Emax, which is a little, about twice as strong as traditional porcelain um, and looks pretty much as beautiful. Uh, but those two materials, uh, porcelain and Emax, are sort of the two most common veneer materials. And how long does this stuff last? I mean, is it, is it for a lifetime or is it, is it, uh, or is it, do you expect after 10 years it's going to uh, degrade? So we normally tell our patients that porcelain veneers last anywhere from 10 to 20 years. Um, but that, you know, again, I came into a practice with my father who's been practicing since 1979. He has a lot of patients that he placed porcelain veneers on in the 80s, you know, late 80s, 90s onward. And uh, we see cases now that he placed the veneers in the 80s and they're still on there uh, and look spectacular. Um so it really varies. A lot of times we'll end up redoing veneers after, say, 15, 20 years, not because the veneers are failing in any way, but because as you get older, your gums recede. So sometimes you'll start seeing more tooth up by the gum line, which tends to be yellow because it's your 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 root, which is yellow. Um, sometimes after 20 years, they just have dulled out because, again, the teeth behind them have become darker, et cetera. And patients come in and they say, you know what? I've had these for 20 years. They've been fantastic. Let's redo them and freshen them up. So usually it's not because they fail. It's just sort of time to redo them. And let me ask you this question. I know this is, it may sound strange. A woman who goes and gets their nails done, and they have these little uh, applications of, of fake nails on top of their nails. The nail itself doesn't breathe, and it, it tends to get a, a fungus underneath. I know there are little pores in a, in a tooth. What happens if you put this this uh, veneer on there? Does it cut down on the kind of the viability of the underlying tooth? You know, that's a great question too. Uh, so the veneer is basically bonded to the tooth with the same bonding technique we use for bonding or any other bonding in dentistry. Um, and it's really bonded uh, in a way that's a, a fantastic seal. That's one of the technique sensitive parts of dentistry is bonding that veneer to the tooth. Um, so if it's done properly and really well, it should last a long time and really nothing gets under there. Uh, now you can get decay under a veneer just like you can get decay under a filling. You can get decay under a crown. You can get decay on your own tooth. Uh, and that's why people need fillings. But um, it's really uh, a technique that if done properly and done by somebody who does it on a daily or weekly basis, uh, we typically don't have issues. It, if anything, can strengthen the tooth because it adds this fresh layer of porcelain over it. Uh, rather than weaken the tooth when done properly.
choosing the right color? Is that part of the art that separates the good from the bad, so to speak? Definitely. It's about color. It's about, like I mentioned before, matching the patient's face and the skin tone, size. So the way we do porcelain veneers in our office, which again, are the the big cosmetic technique that we do a lot of and we're sort of known for, uh, that my father is one of the pioneers of, um, is that we actually take an impression of your teeth before we even start doing anything. And our lab technician uh, waxes up what we want the teeth to look like on the model of your teeth. Then we use that final wax up, the mock-up of the teeth, to make our permanent teeth. Um, so once we prepare your teeth for the veneers, we make temporaries using that mock-up. And when you're in those temporaries, we have every patient come into the office. They meet with me and my father, and they meet with our lab technician as well, the person who's actually making the porcelain veneers. And we discuss, do you like the way that the temporaries look? Do you like the shade, the color? Do you like the size? Do you want them perfectly straight? Do you want them a little less straight? Do you want it broader or less broad? And we discuss all that and take notes on it. And then our lab technician uh, makes the permanent veneers according to those specifications. And we could also modify the temporaries in the patient's mouth. If they say, you know, I'd love my teeth to be a little longer, we could actually take bonding material and just add a little onto the temporaries and say, well, this is what they'll look like if they're longer. And the patient may say, you know what? I like them better the way they were before. And then we can just take that little bit off. And once we get it perfect, they say, I love them just like this. We take another impression. We give it to our lab technician. He's taken down all the shades and colors and sizes and notes he wants. And then he makes the person, the permanent veneers. Oh, so it's very interactive in terms of, uh, how you decide, uh, the size and shape and color. It's, fa it's fascinating to me because, you know, the mouth and the teeth obviously are the, are the uh, domain of the dentist, and yet so many cosmetic surgeons leave that out in terms of their analysis of the whole aesthetic improvement of, the, of, a, of a patient's face. And I, I really believe that um, it's, it's, it's like a, an area that, that really uh, many cosmetic uh, surgeons don't address and kind of uh, glance over, so to speak. Um, you were talking about making molds with, uh, with wax. What about 3d printing is, is how does that, uh, impact your, uh, analysis? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, you know, in our office, we have a lot of really cool technology that we use. Uh, we have two intraoral, actually three intraoral scanners, which allow us to scan, uh, your teeth, whether it's your own teeth or preparations, um, and those create 3d models, digital models of your teeth. So instead of the old way, which we still use as well, which is sort of the gold standard, we use both, but instead of taking those goopy impressions of your teeth, we can scan the teeth with these 3D scanners. Uh, and then using that scanner, we can mill restorations in the office. So we can mill crowns and inlays and onlays and veneers in the office if we choose to do so. And we could also mill or print a 3D model using our 3D printer of your teeth. Um, so all these technologies are adjuncts. They make a lot of things a lot easier for the patient and for the dentist and obviously communication with the lab where we can send a scan over to them instantaneously, uh, and discuss it. It's pretty cool technology and we use a lot of it. Uh, but we also do still use the old, uh, old techniques as well. We use them in tandem one another. How does the size and teeth and bony structure of the teeth affect the overlying soft tissue? In other words, I see... In my practice, I see patients who come in, they want uh, lip augmentation, for instance. And I always say, 
and I, I thought I was being very clever, not, not clever, but very, um, uh, I, I always looked at the teeth. And I said, your teeth are your structural support for your lips. And I, and, and I not uncommonly would see people who have gum recession or small teeth, and they'd start forming these vertical lines in their upper lip particularly, or, their, or, their, or the length of their lip from the bottom of their nose to their vermilion border was um, getting longer. And in those cases, I might recommend a lip lift or some uh, procedure like that. What do you tell the patient in regard to their perioral changes that are occurring as they age? Yeah, I mean, there's no question, as you just mentioned, that as people age, um, their lips tend to shrink in. They tend to get wrinkles up on the top and bottom. Uh, you've, you know, we've all seen the old grand- grandpa or the personification of them where their lips are sunken in because they have no teeth left. You know, they take their dentures out and their teeth sink way back. Um, with cosmetic dentistry, uh, as you just mentioned, support the lips. Um, if you were to take out all your top teeth, then your lip would sink way in and you'd look like a very different person, uh, you know, not as handsome as a person. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when we're, when we're doing cosmetics, we want to make sure to keep those teeth where they're supposed to be or even push them forward in order to support the lip properly, um, you know, especially with as people age and their teeth get uh, shorter and their teeth get beat up their lips tend to shrink. So we want to bulk them out. Uh, we also want to make sure the length looks natural because as uh, you mentioned, a lot of people get recession as they get older, which can make your teeth look long. And we want the teeth to look natural and, and the proper length. And through different tricks we can use with cosmetic dentistry, we can make the teeth look a natural length and not overly long. Can you tell us simply how, how that would be done? When somebody says, I want, you know, this shade, we decided with our lab technician, as I mentioned, the lab technician doesn't take shade X and make the whole veneer out of shade X. They make the edge of the tooth tends to be a little translucent. The body of the tooth tends to be a little white. And then the neck of the tooth tends to be slightly yellower as it fades to the gum line. So we could extend that yellowness uh, or that natural hue up to the gum line to make the tooth look a certain length. Uh, and through, he may use, you know, 20, 30 different shades of porcelain in making that tooth to make it natural looking. So I can see that there's really an art to the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm really impressed at how, how uh, the, there's subtle, it's not that, as I, as I said before, this white chiclet uh, and veneer of the past that made all these people look artificial. Now the, 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 that gradation is is so so uh, impressive to me. Yeah, that, it, it's a it's a huge part of it, and it's something that we tell our patients when they are consulting with us about doing their teeth, and they say, "Well, why should I go with you instead of someone else, or why should this we do this instead of that?" And you know, it's really between our lab technician, us, the dentists, obviously, and the experience of doing this so many times that we've really perfected the art. Um, we don't switch to new materials unless we know they're going to be as, you know, beautiful and strong as the old materials. You know, one of the disadvantages of some of the new materials like zirconia that you mentioned is it's very hard to gradiate the, uh, the porcelain on it because of the material. Zirconia is uh, much less translucent than porcelain. So porcelain, you leave a lot of translucency so that yellow hue, that beautiful yellow hue shines through your tooth and it looks natural. Um, because the porcelain, if you took a veneer and held it up to the light, it would almost be transparent. It's very 
uh, it's transparent. It, it's not completely transparent, but you can see through it. Whereas some of the newer materials, translucent, yeah, it's probably a better word. Translucent, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, whereas a lot of the newer materials like zirconia is stronger, but it doesn't have that translucency. And if you don't use it properly, you end up with some of those very chalky, chiclety looking teeth. Uh, so it's very technique sensitive. Porcelain veneers, from my experience in dentistry, which is, you know, not as long as my father's or yours, but it's been 10 plus years. Uh, porcelain veneers are the most technique sensitive thing we do between the preparation, working with the lab technician and the bonding of the teeth and the patient's expectations. You know, when you do a crown in the back, nobody really looks at it. Nobody cares as long as it feels comfortable and it's in there and it lasts, they're fine. When you do veneers, if they don't look right, you have a very unhappy patient and a lot of work to redo them. So we, we try to avoid that at all costs, obviously. I see why there's a lot of uh, pre-testing before you actually go for the final result, you know, because the expectations. Exactly. We want to make sure it's right. Yeah, once the teeth are in there, once veneers are bonded after that final visit, in order to get them off, you have to re cut them off. You have to destroy them and remake them. It's a, a huge process that you know, you don't want to do, and, and we haven't done very often. So you really have to, yeah, you got to make sure you got the right color size and everything uh, for the exactly. patient's face. Some patients come in with what I call gummy smile. Yeah, that's where you come into, uh, that's where we use you to, to lower their lip a little bit. Well, I'm just wondering whether or not you, you, uh, you folks use any Botox to uh, do that. We do some in our office. Um, you know, dentists can be uh, certified to use Botox. One of the great things about dentistry is uh, even with the specialists I mentioned, as long as a dentist feels comfortable, if I feel comfortable doing Invisalign or braces, I'm allowed to do it as a general dentist. I place implants as a general dentist. So we're allowed to do a lot of things as long as we feel comfortable. And obviously, if you do something and you're not supposed to be or you're not skilled enough to do it and something happens, then you're liable. But uh, we do do some Botox in the office on the upper lip. Uh, so that a lot of people have a hypermobile lip. I'm sure you see them where they smile and you see their teeth, and then a lot of gum. And it looks like they have a super gummy smile. Uh, and Botox can help a lot with that. There are some surgical techniques that could help. Uh, but Botox is a very easy, quick uh, solution that we do a decent amount of it in our office. But implants, is there, do, I know you do implant surgery. Uh, is Does that fit into the cosmetic uh, realm as well? It definitely fits in when the implant is in the cosmetic zone, you know, those front eight to 10 teeth, um, you know, an implant is basically a replacement of a lost tooth. So if you were to get a tooth traumatized or broken or, or decayed to a point where it's unrestorable, that tooth, the entire tooth comes out and an implant goes in. And one technique that we've sort of perfected in our office and is becoming more common is, is called an immediate implant, where if you were tomorrow to get, God forbid, hit by a baseball bat, which we see you know, a lot of people that come in like that, and you lose one of your teeth, we can actually take the tooth out, we can place an implant, which is like a root into the bone, and we can put a temporary on top of that implant all in the same visit. So you can come into our office uh, with a broken tooth and you'll leave with a tooth that looks as good as what, uh, what you lost before and it looks spectacular. And then about six months later, once the implant is fully integrated with the bone, because that implant needs to integrate, then we put a permanent crown on top of it. But in the meantime, we could put a temporary that really looks spectacular um, instead of having to wear something removable that you take in and out for six months. Well, I think we wrapped it up. And I, I, I want to thank you, uh, 
Dr. Linhart, for being with us today. And it's been very uh, enlightening to me. And uh, I hope the people listening also were enlightened on, on um, the advances of aesthetic dentistry, the sophistication, and the, uh, the uh, artistry that goes into uh, achieving great results. So um, thank you again for being my guest, and, and uh, w- w- hopefully the people listening will enjoy it. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, you know, if anyone has any questions about cosmetic dentistry, just reach out to Linhart Dentistry. Again, we're in uh, the Helmsley Building right in Midtown Manhattan. So thank you so much for having me again. Thanks so much for your time. The information expressed on the Beauty Doc podcast are the opinions of myself and my guests, and they are not meant to replace a consultation with your doctor or beauty specialist.